Hey, freelancers, and welcome back to another long-awaited episode of For the Love of Freelance. It's me, your co-host, L.A. Marks, and guess who else is in the house? Your co-host, Tia Grado. Tia Grado. We're not even messing around with the Myers anymore. Myers is a name of the past. And our incredible guest for today, the recovering international journalist, uh, woman from the land down under, now a (laughs) tried and true New Yorker, app founder who is on a mission to eliminate the gender pay gap, none other than Maggie Palmer. Hey, Maggie. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. This is going to be fun. So, so cool to get to talk to you today. We are going to talk about um, really something that Tia and I do for each other every time that we need it, which is, you know, giving each other a pep talk and just really leveling up the confidence to then level up your value. As you probably (laughs) know, Maggie, this is the year of money over here at Freelancing Females. So we are unabashedly talking about our rates, our financial advocacy, our our finances, uh, getting our taxes done, getting our everything, everything. All things money are on the table this year. So it's so cool to get to speak with you. Uh, As a bit of intro, would you like to just give us... um, your your quick story of how how are you fulfilling your mission to close the gender pay gap? What's your origin story? What sent you here? Yeah, well, I'm loving that, that it's the year of the mo- of money for y'all at yes. freelancing females as well. I feel like it should be year the year of money for all of us every year. Um, and I'm so excited to jump into this topic more because cash, money, financial freedom. I'm so here for it. It just changes your life, right? And it gives you choices. Um, it gives your family choices. It just, it changes everything for people. So my origin story comes back to money, funnily enough. So I used to be a journalist, as you said, um, in Australia, where I'm from, hence my weird accent. I do live, I do live in New York now. Great I accent. I don't know if I'm allowed to say I'm an, like an, an actual New Yorker yet though, because I've only been here like five years. So I think I have another five to go before You're I'm halfway official. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but look, I'll claim that I'm, um, I'm a resident anyway. Um, so yeah, so I used to be a journalist in Australia. Um, I worked in London at the BBC World. And basically at at some point in my career, turns out the dudes filing stories next to me were earning heaps more cash than me, even though like we had the same experience. We were like being deployed to the same, you know, um, assignments last minute overseas, domestically, etc. And I found out quite by accident, actually, someone very senior gave me a bit of a hint, hint, nudge, nudge. And I was like, what? And I thought it was a mistake. So I was, was like, the senior person, a woman or man, does it matter to the story? So actually it was a male ally. It was a guy oh, who told nice. me who Bad had ass. my back. Yeah. Which, you know, here for that. Thank you to them. Mm-hmm. And so I said something, I was like to my bosses, I was like, yo, what's up? Like, this is not cool. What? Uh, and they were like, yes. Yeah, so Maggie, um, if you don't like it, you can quit or we'll wow. see you in court. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. Threatening to sue you because what, like some sort of breach of non-disclosing No, they of were like, you can sue us. If you don't like it, why don't you sue us? Basically oh. like a, just like a bit of a threat, like. That playground insult. So sue me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Seriously. And I, for me, it was like red rag to a bull. I was like, oh, really? Is that, is that, is that what's happening? Okay. That's what's that happening. That a challenge? Let's do this. 
Um, Wait, so did you sue them? Well, so it's a bit of a long, complicated story, but um, I basically had to take them on. Yeah, because I just was kind of like, you can't do that. Like, firstly, it's illegal, right? So in most developed countries, it's illegal to pay people less who are doing the same job. But the thing is... Um, as probably a lot of your listeners know, is that to find out and to be able to prove that you're being paid less, that's like a whole nother thing, right? And most people don't want to get a lawyer. Who wants to do that? Like most of us are not adversarial, right? Like we don't want to do this. And it's a lot of money. Yeah, it costs money. And so, but I kind of felt like, I felt very obliged, honestly, to say something. Cause I was like, I've got savings. I backed myself. I was like, I'm awesome at my job. I'm always going to get a job. Like, Make no mistake, like, I'll be fine. Yes. If you guys want to get rid of me, like, we're good. Um, but they kind of, I think, were banking on the fact that I wouldn't say anything. Anyway, long story short, um, my whole shtick now is, like, I don't want that to happen to your listeners, right? I don't, I don't want right. that to, ha- to happen to anyone else. So now I'm just, like, what what we tried to do with Pep Talker is, is develop an app, programming, free content to support people to know their worth and then to figure out how do you go about structuring that conversation and actually to get paid your worth, right? Because that's like a whole nother ball game. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, we started freelancing females off of exactly that too. We wanted to help close the gender pay gap and women right. who work for themselves earn 28% less than their male peers in America. All of these freelancers. So We actually try to be very transparent with rates here at Freelancing Females, and a lot of our women are always talking every single day about what they charge for their clients. I love that. And this is the interesting thing is that pay transparency and rate transparency is so powerful. And it's interesting across the United States, we're seeing certain states are actually now requiring for full-time job advertisements. I'm not sure if it's trickled through to freelancing gigs yet, but they're actually requiring um, that companies, you know, put forward a salary range. And York State is introducing that in, in just a matter of weeks as well. So that's really good, in my opinion, because transparency um, is a good thing. If we can shine a light on these um, issues, on these pay ranges, it means that it's something that we talk about that's not kind of just like, you know, swept under the rug and is a bit of a hush-hush taboo thing to talk about. Yeah, New York has actually been pretty on the forefront of a lot of really interesting new forward-thinking legisl- right. legislative initiatives recently. Is that part of the reason you chose to make New York your adopted home? <laughs> it's part of the reason why I moved to America, honestly. We're, like, you know, I had lived in the United Kingdom and I am from Australia. And the conversation around gender equality, equity, it just, it was a bit like, it was a bit like feminist was a dirty word. It was a bit like, oh, Maggie's banging on about pay again. And I was like, yeah, I am. Because like half the population are getting paid 20% less than the other half. This is not cool. Whereas I felt like in America, at least it was um, in in certain states, perhaps um, it was more of um, an open conversation. And so that's part of the reason why I moved to the States. Um, It's a bit of a long story between my fiance and I as to why we chose New York, but uh, I'm grateful to see that the legislation is changing here um, around, around those salary bans for sure. Well, so speaking of uh, having the courage maybe to uh, actually ask for the higher rate like you mm-hmm. like you did, mm-hmm. it sounds like just from having gotten to know you for about 20 minutes now, you have maybe always had a natural knack for this level of confidence or you learned it very early on, whereas as all of us know, working in the, a community that's mostly women, a lot of women struggle with that. So you yeah. left you left journalism and you moved into creating an 
app, which I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that later. But first of all, it's called Pep Talk Her. How, how did you decide to name your your company and your app Pep Talk? Like what's what's the deal there? Yeah, well, I mean, the name is kind of self-explanatory. I actually wanted to call the business Pep Talk, um, but I business couldn't get the dot com. Oh, yeah. I, well, no, well, sorry. I wanted to call the company Pep Talk, mm-hmm. okay, but I gotcha. couldn't get the Pep Talk dot com. Like it was already sold. The struggles. And there's probably like nothing even there. Yeah. Ex- well, it's actually owned by a guy in America who has, he's like a pastor, I think. Um, okay. Anyway, I think he has like a, yeah, so random. Anyway, so I couldn't get the dot com. So I ended up going with Pep Talk Her because we were always going to be targeting people who identified as female. And so that's kind of where the business name came from. But the intention was kind of what you were saying earlier, Lisa, Ann, about how you and Tia pep talk each other, right? And to your point, I am lucky. And I was raised from my parents and I guess my school, like I to believe in myself and to think that you could do anything. And I genuinely believe that my gender was no barrier. I didn't know that it was a barrier until I started mm. working. I, that's how naive I was, you know, or privileged or both. Um, and, you know, I want to acknowledge that with all these conversations about the salary gap, um, the pay gap in the freelancing world, um, that, you know, it's much worse for women of color right. as well, right? And so I, I do think that all of us have a responsibility to be allies and to advocate for everyone um, because this is a conversation that's not going away. And if you look at the data from the United Nations, they reckon we're looking at more than 100 years till we get to equity, right, in terms of um, in terms of earnings. And that's just, like, not cool. Like, it's 2022. Like, honestly, I can't even believe the three of us are having this conversation now. I'm like, really? Are we still talking about this, really? But we are. Um, and so my attitude is, okay, it is what it is. If we understand these systemic barriers and these unconscious biases that impact all of us, that's powerful because then we can set up systems um, and we can put in place procedures so that we can navigate the world that we live in for better or worse to get the best financial outcome for ourselves and for our business and our freelancing rates. And then share the love. Yes. Who are you getting great pep talks from that you decided to create a whole company around it? That's such a great question. Um, my, my family probably always gave, gave me great pep talks. But, you know, one of the things when I reflect on my career, um, and I bet everyone listening can name a toxic boss or a toxic yes. colleague, right? Like we've all got that one person we're like, ugh. Okay. Okay. On three, everyone say the name. (laughs) (laughs) Name and shame. Tag freelancing females and pet talker and let us know on Instagram who that person was for you. (laughs) However, I hope that most of y'all also have that person who was amazing and who gave Mm -hmm. you a pet talk. And, you know, one of my very first bosses, Kathy, shout out to her. She was awesome. And she was like, I was so young. I think my first salary, I was as a journalist, I was on $28,000 a year. And I just thought I was living. I was like, oh, this is amazing. I can get Thai takeaway once a week. I can get the dinner special. This is so good. I just thought I was living my best life. And she said to me after about a year, she was like, hey, Maggie, you should ask me for a pay raise. And I was like, what? Like so oblivious. And she was like, you should really ask me for a pay raise. And I was like, oh. So she she kind of gave me a pep talk mm. in the sense of she kind of told me what she wasn't kind of supposed to tell me, but that I needed to know. She was like, you you got to ask. And that's the lesson that stuck with me my whole career is that you have to ask because I hope you have a Kathy in your career. I really do. But if you don't, 
you've got to ask the question because most bosses, like they're fine. Some of them are amazing. A lot of them are crap. Um, but a lot of them are not going to offer you a raise on a platter. They're not going to suggest you for a promotion necessarily. Like they might be managing a whole heap of people. They could be getting divorced. They might have a sick kid. Who knows? But you've got to be the one that's asking. You've got to be the one steering the direction for yourself because, frankly, you can't rely on anyone else to do it for you. So what I want to do is kind of empower as many, you know, we've got 60,000 women in the pep talker community and it's like such a privilege to kind of help support them to steer their career and to steer those conversations towards the value that I know that they're worth. Sometimes they kind of forget that they're worth that much. And so we're there to kind of prop them up and and support them to ask the question, you know? Tia, what about you? Who gave you a good pep talk? (laughs) You give me good pep talks. We had a really great one last week, actually in New York. But for freelancers especially, you can't ask, you have to do yourself. You have Mm, to give yourself raises. Wow, that's so true. I didn't think of it that way. Every single year, we always push our freelancers to raise your rates this year. Just like inflation and everything else is raising, you need to raise your rates. So what advice would you give to somebody to go about raising their rates to a client? Yeah, and I think this is so true, especially now when we look at inflation, like it's going bananas, hey, Um, certainly here in the United States. Um, And for most of your listeners are probably aware that as inflation goes up, it means the value of the money that you're earning is going backwards. So if your rates aren't growing as well, then your standard of living, frankly, and your ability to save and invest is sliding backwards, even though you're still working as hard, right? If not harder. So yeah, I think I think the work that freelancing females does to encourage the community to raise rates at least once a year is super powerful. I always say to everyone, you need to be asking for a raise once a year, at least. You need to be performing well. You've got to be doing great work. Don't get me wrong, but you've got to ask the question every year. Sometimes you'll be told no, right? Sometimes they'll say, no, there's no more budget or look, we've already, you know, locked it in for the next couple of quarters, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes you'll be told no, but you still have to ask because that sets an expectation for the next time when you ask for them to say, oh, we said no last time. So I guess, okay, yeah, we can do it this time. You know, and also if you're freelancing and you you say, hey, listen, it's January um, per policy, our rates increase every year um, in the new in the new year. And they say, well, we've already budgeted through until the end of Q2, whatever. It's up to you then to be able to pivot that conversation. So if your client's like, well, we can't because we've already budgeted through to June, you can say, okay, well, listen, as an act of good faith, I'm happy to continue. Um, I'm happy to honor my 2021 rates through till the end of June. And then the contract will stipulate that from July 1, it will increase to our 2022 rates. You know, like there's there's things you can put in place along the way, even if they push back. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's about being consistent. I had a student once um, who went through one of our career level up programs at Pet Talker and she was like, I asked for a raise once. Like, I've, I've tried. It doesn't work. And I was like, OK. No, so one try and she gave up. No, but she did, Lisa, and she asked six years ago. I was like, when did you ask? Wow. And she was like, six years ago. And I was like, okay. And then what happened? She's like, no, that's it. I just like, I didn't work. So I just, so at this point, I, she was probably about 40. She hadn't had a raise in six years. She was more senior. So you can imagine inflation. She's way more experienced. And that that breaks my heart to hear that, right? But it's kind of, 
you know, it's no one's fault because no one teaches you this at college right. or school. Like you don't get taught to negotiate, which is kind of annoying. Like I, I wish they taught us this instead of algebra. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of an algebra if you think about it. It's an equation. It's an equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's me plus talent e- times inflation equals my rate. <laughs> it goes right. <laughs> plus tax. Don't forget to add on tax. I want you all In to healthcare. be... Yeah, and, and yeah, thinking about, and as a freelancer as well, that's the other thing. Like I always, when I, when I'm coaching clients who are freelancers or who have their own business, um, this is like, this is like a just back of the napkin kind of mathematics. But so if you're, if you're earning full-time cash, right, cool. Take your salary, right. And divide it by 40. Cause it's 52 weeks in a year, but I only want you to divide it by 40 because you have to assume as a freelancer, there's weeks when you get no work. There's weeks when invoices come in late. There's weeks when you're sick. There's weeks when you're on annual leave. So I always encourage people who are freelancers to only assume that they're going to work for 40 weeks of the year because anything more than that is a bonus. Frankly, it just kind of gives you a buffer. And then, so if you divide your um, full-time salary by 40, that gives you a minimum weekly rate, minimum that you need to be earning realistically to be bothered right. to make the transition to freelance. Because, you know, Tia, Lisa, and you, the three of us know, like, it's not a walk in the park. You know, it's stressful. There are panic attacks. There's anxiety. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to be earning a premium if you're going to take the leap to take on the extra stress, et cetera, to go freelance. And you've got to assume that, like, if you get sick, you need to have that buffer of cash there. So that's, as I said, there's no like, that, that's not scientific, but that's just like a quick equation. I always say to people like, that's the minimum. It probably needs to be a hell of a lot more than that. But at the very least, assume that there are going to be, you know, weeks when you won't be working. So you've got to factor that into your rates too. I love the idea of planning your life around only working 40 weeks out of the year. That's awesome. Here for that. Let Life goals, life, 2022 life goals, Lisa Ann. <laughs> let's, live our, let's live our best French life, you know? Every other week is a bonus. <laughs> and we don't take texts on weekends are they isn't that the parisian way they don't work weekends and they don't work after hours and etc no. and i mean we also add that into our contracts nowadays we just say nine to five that's it do not text us do not call us and that's boundaries and i think that's one of the things that you learn really on really early on as a freelancer isn't it like boundaries are important and here's the thing like There's no HR department, there's no sales department or whatever to buffer you, right, when you're working for yourself. So you have to be the one to stipulate those boundaries and to stipulate them early because make no mistake, like clients will push back. Good for them. They've got to ask the question too. Um, But you need to have those clear boundaries in place, preferably written down somewhere um, so that everyone's on the same page. Mm -hmm. Well, you also Mm -hmm. don't think about without those boundaries, your rate just becomes cheaper and cheaper with every other question that they ask you in Slack, they message you with an email they send, because then those are hours you're working that you're not always accounting for. Totally. Yeah. Tia has been coaching me through this with my own project. It's like, I'm so good at advocating for other people's boundaries, but for my own, I seem to have lost the notes on that. Well, do you know that's actually really normal? It's always hard to do for yourself. And that, well, that's actually backed up by research. So, so it's so interesting, actually. One of my mentors, um, she works for a big Ivy League school, specifically, um, she teaches negotiation. And she was the one who told me that there's been all this research done, right, that actually shows that women are excellent collective negotiators. Excellent. So if y'all had to negotiate on behalf of other freelancers, on behalf of, you know, the nurses of America or whatever, we would crush it because we're so good at advocating for other people. 
But interestingly, women don't perform as well when we're negotiating on behalf of ourselves as an individual. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of collective mindset um, that, you know, probably bred into us from generations ago. But there's ways you can kind of like trick your brain around that as well. So this this mentor of mine was telling me when she goes in to negotiate her academic fees every year with the university, she says, I don't walk in there as an individual. I walk in there as a partner, as a mom, as a grandmother, as a proud owner of three horses. And I also think I'm negotiating on behalf of the next generation of female academics. I love that. And that's how she frames it for herself. Yeah, because then she's walking in with a collective mindset. She's like, oh, no, this isn't about me. But if I don't ask today, I'm screwing over the next couple of professors who identify as female who are going to come after me, right, who are going to be negotiating in three years, in 30 years' time. So you've got to sort of like stake your claim now on behalf of everyone and do that sort of hard yards now. And sometimes if you can frame a negotiation in that way, it's super helpful, right? So even I don't have children, but I, you know, very proud auntie. So I like try to think about, well, if I earn more money, I can like buy more shares for my nieces and nephews and I can donate to some of my favorite charities and I could support my friend who's having a hard time with their kids. Like I try and think about it that way too, because then it's less about you and what you need, but it's actually more of a collective mindset about, about that negotiation process. I love that mindset shift. Honestly, that might be the most unique takeaway from this conversation. Mm -hmm. Like I've never heard anyone put it into that context before. I'm kind of like feeling a little emotional. (laughs) Thank thank you for sharing that. And I I resonate with what you said so much because I also have no plans to have children, but Tia wants to have kids one day. My brother just had a COVID kid, you know, like I want to be the most like bountiful, generous, awesome auntie and like teach the kids things and take them to do amazing activities and totally, you know, help them have amazing life. She's going to be the creative auntie that I can't be because I'm not creative. (laughs) The best aunt ever. Hello, hello. I am your co-host, L.A. Marks, excited to introduce to you a new experimental segment on For the Love of Freelance. You know, this year is the year of money, and so we are taking money issues very seriously. As you probably might know from listening to other episodes of this podcast, I am not the money expert in-house with Freelancing Females, so we have gone to... uh, really find the right type of expertise that we need to bring in to answer these tough, burning money questions. So uh, really excited to introduce you all to Paco of the Hell Yeah Group, who is going to be leading our Ask Paco series of finance questions submitted by you online. What's up, Paco? How's it going? I'm so excited to dig into these questions. Amazing. So just give us a quick intro, who you are and why you're really um, especially out and about right around, right about now. My name is Paco De Leon. I am especially out and about right now because I just <laughs> wrote a book called Finance for the People. It comes out on February 1st and you can buy it wherever you buy books. I also run a company called The Hell Yeah Group, which we do two things, really. The first thing is what you are experiencing inside of your ears right now. 
I go about the internet, about town, and I teach people, mainly creatives in business, how to do money better, how to feel better about money, how to be less weird about money. And I run a bookkeeping agency called Hell Yeah Bookkeeping, and we run the books and the accounting for creative businesses like production companies and creative agencies. And I'm so super excited to be sharing words of wisdom in this year of money with freelancing females. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Question number one, and this is a pretty all-encompassing question. You know, we do have quite a few freelancers who are at the very beginning of their career, recent grads, first time out on their own. So what would you say is your first year of freelancing tax 101? All right. So I've got four tips that will pretty much sum up how to not screw up your taxes the first year that you're freelancing. The very first thing that you should do is you should separate your freelance business and your personal finances. So all you have to do is go to the bank. You can physically show up to a bank if you want to torture yourself, or you can find an online bank and you open up a new banking account. And even if it's not like a corporation account, right, even if you didn't set up an LLC or an S-corp, That's okay. It can be a personal account and we will use our vivid and robust imaginations and we will tell ourselves that that account is for business. So all the money you earn goes into that account and all of your business expenses will go out of that account. And that way it's nice and tidy when it comes tax time. It's nice and tidy if you fall behind on your bookkeeping and it allows you to kind of at a glance see, hey, this is how my business is doing. The second thing, really, this is kind of a two-in-one. The second thing is to open up a tax savings account for your income taxes and to save a portion of every single dollar that you earn. And the general rule of thumb is anywhere between 10 and 30%. So for every dollar you earn, you want to save anywhere between one dime and three dimes. And what you do is, I'm hoping that maybe you're sitting down every week for your weekly finance time and you're looking at all the money that's come in. And you can do it crudely with a pen and paper. You can use a spreadsheet. You can use a calculator. And you just look at how much money did I make in the last week? Okay, great. I made $100 and I'm going to save 20%. Cool. I'm going to put 20 bucks into my tax savings account and call it a day. And you just do that every week. And then at the end of the year, you should have a bunch of money in there. And then when you go to your accountant to file your taxes and they'll say, oh no, oh no, LA Marks, you owe five grand. And you'll say, guess what? I've got the five grand sitting in a tax savings account. So that's a good way to avoid the shock of, oh no, I did really well, but now I have to pay Uncle Sam. The third thing is something I just kind of touched on is to please hire an accountant. Just for a frame of reference, the U.S. tax code is 75,000 pages long. And I think all of the Harry Potter series is like 3,700 pages or something like that. So I've never n- heard not- that comparison before. <laughs> That's horrible. I try to make taxes fun, I suppose. Or I guess, yeah, but give you perspective, right? Because the tax code grows every year. Like there's just more and more code to sort through. And of course, 75,000 pages doesn't apply to every person. But it's a good way to illustrate that for most of us, we have no business at all whatsoever, not even a little bit, like trying to interpret the tax code. It's constantly changing. And an accountant who works in your industry It's their job to stay on top of this, right? So like new freelancer laws come into place. Great. They're going to be working with clients who have the same problem. So they're incentivized to stay on top of the changes. But like how much does that cost? Like can a first year freelancer really afford to bring someone on to help them with this kind of stuff? 
You know, I'm so glad that you asked that because that brings me to my fourth point, which is oh, okay, to make cool. sure make sure that these costs, the taxes that you owe and your overhead, make sure that that's reflected in your price as a freelancer. You know, folks, when they work for themselves, a lot of us are just like throwing, what was the phrase, throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. I that great. I think that's what being that's what makes being self-employed fun is we're all, we're constantly running experiments. We have a hypothesis and we test it. Uh, but when it comes to pricing, I'm going to tell you right now, most of you freelancers can afford to increase your prices by at least 10%, if not 30%. And that way you're accounting for taxes and you're accounting for things like insurance and you're accounting for paying your accountant at the end of the year or come tax time. So raise your prices. You can do it. I believe in you. Fourth point for how to afford doing your own bookkeeping is to raise your rates. I love it. I love it. A lot of women say to me, oh, Maggie, I don't need to earn more money. Like I'm paying my mortgage. Like I earn good money. Like it's fine. And I'm like, I am so happy for you. And that's amazing. Equally, if you should be earning more, if your value is more, don't leave that money on the table. Please take it. Um, I don't care. Give it to your mother. Um, donate it to the Red Cross. You know, give it to a homeless shelter. I really don't care what you do with it, but please take it. Because if you actually leave that money on the table, truly, you are doing a disservice, right, to the next people who right. come after you, right, in terms of the the, the jobs that they're applying for. Um, and you're also doing a disservice to yourself. And I think some of us were socialized from a young age or from our parents to kind of think that money, like you shouldn't be wealthy and you shouldn't be rich. But the reality is like, you know, in Australia, where I'm from, the fastest growing group of homelessness is women over the age of 55, Right. Because if we earn less in our career because they didn't save to retire or something or. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And because of divorce and stuff like that. So they often end up with less retirement. So mm. if we earn less now, our retirement is going to be less fruitful. Right. So and who thinks about retirement? Like, I know we should think about it more, but but actually we do need to start to have those sort of forward thinking thoughts and think, well, I actually do need to maximize my income now so mm -hmm. that my 401k and my retirement that's benched to my income is being maximized as well. Um, because having that financial freedom gives you choice to leave bad relationships, to quit a really shitty job, to run away from a toxic boss, to, you know, pay for a friend's surgery if they don't have health insurance. It gives you choice. And that's what's so exciting to me about it. I'm not saying you need to go on, you know, you need to buy a Ferrari and want to be wealthy for those reasons. <laughs> you can, and I, I'd like you to take me for a spin, huh. but having money, you know, and, and the more yeah. women that have money, that excites me. Cause then like, we'll be doing angel investing in cool women businesses. We'll see less bros ruling the world. We'll donate money to charity because we are community minded. Right. So that's why I'm so excited about it. And I want everyone to get excited about money. And I can't wait for 2022 to be a year of cash for all of us. <laughs> yeah. Damn. I mean, uh, you, you're speaking, you're, you're, you're feeling, I can see on Tia's face, my face, we're getting so amped talking to you and it's, it's, it, your energy is infectious, obviously. And so I wanted to ask you something specific about uh, yeah. what you have offered for your programming with Pep Talk Her. It's the thing that kind of caught my eye was this interesting program that you have with these little sprints of five day challenges, I think they're called five mm -hmm. minutes for five days straight, just one week. Yep. And yeah. from what I can tell, <laughs> I'm signed up for the next one from what I, which starts in what, February 
21st or something. Next one starts sure and, and you're yeah. you're the leader. And so what what is it like? Is it like is it just you like just electrifying people's energy like this at the beginning of every day to just go forth? Or <laughs> is it like a curriculum? Like what can you do in five minutes each day? Yeah. I love the idea. Well, it's funny. So when we built, so when we, so my whole thing is like behavior change, right? So if you, if I wanted to learn, I'm, I'm inflexible. If I want to learn how to touch my toes, like I'm going to injure myself if I try and do it today. Right. (laughs) But if I did a yoga class every day for 20 days or 30 days, maybe I'd get a little bit closer, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And when you actually talk to psychologists, um, that's actually called the nudge theory, Right. So if any of us want to shift our behavior, the best way to do it is by making tiny little baby steps, tiny incy wincy nudges towards where we want to go. Right. So that's the best way to shift behavior sustainably for the long term. And so we worked with our behavioral psychologist um, who's on our team to develop this career challenge. We run it twice a year. Impact is our core value at Pep Talk Her. So we want to give back the app. The Pep Talk Her app is free. You know, most of our content on our website is free. We only have two paid programs. And um, the career challenge is only five days because who has an attention span these days? Like longer than that. Yes. No one. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> also, also, who has longer than five minutes? Like spare? No one. So we wanted to make it digestible. And it's like, you know, a lot of us, like after we maybe finish our schooling or our education, we don't often spend any time on our career. It's just kind of like, okay, well, we're in the grind and that's it. Some of us maybe go to the gym or we might have a therapist. So we do work on other aspects of our life, but we often just kind of set and forget our career, right? And we don't actually coach ourselves in that in that mm-hmm. space. And so we wanted to provide like a really easy free way for people to intentionally spend five minutes a day, four or five days to think about their career, specifically their worth in their career. Because mm-hmm. the reality is, is that, and you know this from freelancing females, like people pay the price that you put on yourself, right? Right. So if you got a low price tag, if that's what you think about yourself, that's probably what your rates are going to be. But if we can get you to shift your mindset to realize that you should actually be charging a hell of a lot more than that, then we can shift you to start to ask for that higher amount and to be paid for that amount because the perception other people have of you will change as well. So, so yeah, so we send an email every five, every day. Um, and it has a little mini challenge that you'll do that takes five minutes. And then I just run a live coaching call every day to too for free. People can join and ask specific questions about, you know, what their worth is, how do they calculate that? How do they ask that, ask for that rate? Um, and we just, we just want to support people. So yeah, we'd love to see um, peeps from your community join. That'd be so fun. Yeah. Yeah. We'll share the link in the show notes. I'm, I'm honestly just so thrilled to try it. I, I just invested in my career really um, intentionally for the first time, maybe ever. Yeah. Tia gave me the space to take a week off of doing anything freelancing females related and I went to a writing retreat in Mexico two weeks ago now amazing and um yeah so that was more than five minutes a day but um I love (laughs) the idea of just making it I mean so accessible no one can say that they don't have five minutes to spend for themselves it's like the same thing with meditation you know just that tiny little commitment um and I'm 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 curious to kind of know like how did you go from you know, you you said yourself that you were this young journalist and only earning what'd you say twenty eight thousand a year or something? 
And yeah. And and now you're out there obviously doing the opposite of that. Like what was was there like a turning point moment? Was there there mm. was it one specific pep talk or because <laughs> you were always confident? How did you learn to translate the confidence yeah. to the paycheck? Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. So I started, I think it was twenty seven, twenty eight no, it was thousand dollars a year, basically. Um, Australian dollars. So that's like less like maybe 20,000, 21,000 US dollars. So yeah, I was earning, um, I tripled my paycheck in the first th- three years, um, of my salary through negotiation, through that pep talk that I had with my boss. Um, that nice boss that I mentioned, Kathy, who helped me, um, you know, and, and then since then, um, through mentors, through stuff that my dad taught me through just kind of like School of Hard Knocks in the workplace um, managed to to get some pretty big pay bumps. I got a 60K pay raise one year. Um, When I started freelancing and eventually started my own business, I was, you know, negotiating multiple six and seven figure contracts um, for really large listed companies and stuff like that as well. So... I don't, you know, I didn't, I don't have an MBA. I'm not like a traditional negotiation lecturer, professor kind of thing. Like the way that I approach salary negotiations and negotiation in general is very practical. It's no bullshit. It's very hands-on. And it's like, this is the reality, right? And like, let's make all this theory and all this big picture stuff kind of boil down into practical steps that, that all of us can use in a day-to-day basis. You don't need to be a merger and acquisition lawyer um, to be able to negotiate well, you really don't like, and, and probably all of you have worked with people at work who are great negotiators, um, and people who like, it's very clear to people in the business that they are, um, valuable contributors and that people in the business really value their input. Right. And, and that's how I want you all to be perceived in the workplace. Right. I want you to be perceived as the go-to person, the person who's like invaluable to the business so that when you go to put up your rates, it's a no-brainer for people to say yes, right? And those are some of the the, the really practical, tangible tips that we talk about in the five-day challenge. So um, yeah, I'm sure that it'll be in the show notes, but it's just, you can just jump to the website as well. It's just peptalker.com forward slash challenge as well. Um yeah, I'm excited. I love, I love it. It's just, it's so nice to meet thousands of people, typically women from all around the world. And it's nice for people as well to know that they're in a community, same as freelancing females. Right. Like, mm. We're not alone in this. And cause sometimes no. it feels lonely, right? Well, it's very isolating when you're working for yourself and building your business. Yeah. And yeah. that's one thing that kind of holds you back is without asking the questions of what are you charging? What are you making? Mm-hmm. you don't know where you stand and then you don't have the confidence to go off and change your rates and ask for more right. and ask for what you're worth. So it's always very important to ask fellow women, fellow men, especially too, what you're charging. Yes, totally. And, you know, T, you've hit the nail on the head there. And, we, and one of the things we talk about in the Career Level Up program is um, having a crew of salary sisters around yes, you. Yes, I with love it. With the asterisk to say. Salary sisters. Such a great name for it. Yes, but one of your salary sisters has to be a white bro because let's be real, <laughs> they probably earn more. So we need to hear from them because what are their expectations? Let's get a sense of what do they expect because then that might genuinely shift, you know, the ceiling of what you should expect too. So we need that intel from them as well. I love that you decided that you wanted to make it inclusive, even requiring that there is a male identified person in the group of Mm -hmm. salary sisters. 
I've been talking to some friends recently about how there's no lesbian bars left in the United States. There's only like 80 lesbian bars left in America out of like. What? Yeah. It's like there's just none. And so we were like, yeah, we should start a lesbian bar just because like we want to have a place where like you can go there. Like, how do I say? Yeah. Like camaraderie. Like, well, camaraderie. And it's Why like yeah. to have a place where yeah. the only people that go are people that are OK being at a lesbian bar. You know what I mean? Like the people that you get to be your salary sister who are male identified are going to be the most awesome dudes. They're like, yeah, I'll be your salary sister. I don't have any insecurity or weirdness totally. about that. <laughs> That's so awesome. Totally. And I think, you know, the role of allies is is really important in these conversations, yeah. whether they're male allies, whether all of us are allies for, for our other sisters who are going through other challenges and experiencing other forms of discrimination in the workplace as well. Um, yeah, I think we all have a responsibility to pay it forward for sure. Agreed. To that effect, I, I did want to ask you, I was, you know, as you do before the podcast, looking at all of your social media and of all of the more prominent founders that we've talked to thus far, you have a lot more political statements on your social, your Instagram, you know, you speak out about a lot of intersectional issues. And something that we as freelancers talk about a decent amount is you know, how much do you share about your own personal beliefs? How much do you want to keep, I don't know, your cards close to your vest because you don't want to lose potentially a client who's like, oh, no, they're too political or something yeah. like that. Do you want to walk us through a little bit about how you decided to share so so candidly and so boldly what your political mm. beliefs are, if that's ever backfired, anything? Because I'm very political and I always wonder mm -hmm. about this type of thing. Like, how many people would have hired me if I didn't have so many bold statements on my profiles? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they talk a lot about the riches is in the niches. And I say niche because I'm from Australia, but I know I have to say niche here in the US. So yeah, the riches are in the niches. And for me, you know, what's in, part of the reason why I started my own business is because I don't want to work with people who I don't respect or don't like, you know, and I think that we, we serve a purpose. Pep Talk Her has a clear purpose and we support professional women. Typically, you know, our community is sort of aged somewhere between sort of like 25 and 48-ish. We've had people in their 60s. We've had women that are a lot younger, but more or less that's our community. And typically our community are really interested in equality. They're really interested in women's issues. Um, and, you know, that's important to us as well. And so um, issues outside of um, our company that are important to our target audience and to us, um, we feel a responsibility to talk about those things. So we do talk about um, access to um, abortion and healthcare for women. We see that as, as a fundamental human right. Um, so we're actually, we actually have a partnership coming up with a not-for-profit talking about and highlighting some of the challenges that women are facing in developing countries in this, in this space as well, you know? Um, and we work with a lot of our revenue, frankly, comes from fortune 100 companies. So we work nice. with really large companies like Salesforce, like JP Morgan, you know, and those brands are aligned with equality. Wait, so they hire you or they hire Pep Talk Her? They hire Pep Talk Her. And the reason they partner with us is because um, they want to see more female into leadership roles within their companies, which is a lovely, warm and fuzzy thing to do. And I'm obviously here for it. But when you look at the data, there's... Um, there's a financial imperative behind it, right? When we have more women in decision-making roles, we know that companies perform um, better, right? And they return a higher net profit to investors. And so I believe in gender equality because it's the right thing to do. But also if you're a capitalist, 
you should be in favor of this too, right? And so that's why you're seeing big companies get on board. Yes, they're employers of choice. And yes, I believe their values align with it. But equally, they know that that's good for business. Um, so, so yeah, it's exciting for me. And so I have no qualms um, talking about the issues that are passionate to us. It probably ostracizes some people and that's okay. And they're still welcome to our free content and we still wish them well. Um, but most of the people that pay us from a consumer perspective or a corporate perspective are aligned with our values as well. I love that. And I mean, we have this conversation with our women every day. It's you know, whether you're talking about your political stances or showcasing your personality or your quirkiness, I think that just adds so much more to what you're selling because there's hundreds of thousands totally. of people doing exactly what you're doing. I'm going to hire you for the person you are. That's how I found LA. So, you know, I love her personality and everything she brings to the table. And I think it creates such a unique, you know, perspective from the both of us working together. And that's what's important to me and the people that I'm sharing it with versus, you know, I could find somebody else doing the same thing too. Totally. Agree. I mean, it would be very hard for you to find someone that could do exactly There's no no, but you bring so much to the table just through your personality and your experience and everything else. And that's so important to your story and selling yourself and having the confidence to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You're obviously my pep talker. <laughs> <laughs> and that is how like 50% of all of our decisions that we make and the companies we go after succeed because we have each other to pep talk each other into these very, you know, hard conversations, business negotiations, etc. And we wouldn't be able to do such a strong negotiation if it weren't for the confidence that each of us give each other. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many times Tia has uh, encouraged me to push a negotiation further and not just accept what the offer was on the table. And for that, I am eternally in her debt. Uh, <laughs> so as we kind of wrap up this incredibly enlivening and empowering and enriching conversation, uh, Maggie, do you want to just like give us a pep talk to go out on? <laughs> I think that'd be great. Yeah. Well, listen, I would just say like anyone who's listening, like needs to give themselves snaps to start with, because, you know, it's not easy to go out looking for and to find a community that you resonate with. And I think when I started my business, um, the anxiety was real. I was so stressed about paying the bills. There were so many technologies and I was like, oh my gosh, softwares, SaaS, oh my gosh, clients who hate me. Oh my gosh, what do I do? Um, and it's a lot and it's overwhelming. So I think having a support um, of, you know, a supportive group of cheerleaders around you is really, really important. And I hope that you find that with freelancing females and like, let us know, um, all of us are on social media, please give us a shout out and let us know who's helping to support you and who's giving you that pep talk, you know? Um, and I would love to hear your stories. Like send me a DM on Insta at pep talk her. I would love to hear from your stories about who has pep talked you to take the leap, to go freelance, to start your own thing. Cause it's courageous and you should be applauded. And I'm excited for you and great things can come of having your own business. Stick with it. It takes a couple of years, but it's totally worth it. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you so, so much. Thank you for being here. And thank you, thank honestly, you. for offering so many incredible offerings and these little services and your your actual app totally for free. I signed up and got to 
record a couple of my wins and even just doing those couple things just reframed. It was just a very subtle, easy little reframe for me of like, oh, I am bringing a lot to the table. That's great. And always celebrate your wins. I'm so here for it. I love it. Highly encourage all all y'all to give a try to the Pep Talk Her app and just follow Maggie because like, obviously you're just putting the most incredible positivity out there. Uh, Tia, any last words from you before we sign off this episode? Just go with confidence. Go off to those clients with confidence. Ask for that money. Get that money because in case you didn't remember, it's the year of money. Year of cash. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. 